Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the BK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. My name is Alex Stum. He is Eddie Provident. Eddie, how you doing, man? Confused because I thought that was my job. <laughs> I gave a video like a couple seconds. Uh, well, like, I was giving, I was giving, today. listen, I was giving the back end producers a chance to, you know, whenever they put this up on, uh, on the, uh, on the audio side, I forgot we were going live today. I'm good, Alex. I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, I got an eight and five Pirates team, and uh, you know things are aside from what we're going to talk about in the first segment. Things are good. You know, it's amazing how fast things fall apart whenever you miss one week. <laughs> hey, man. I had some uh, had some food that didn't we, agree we with don't, me. We don't, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> no, what it was was we wanted to give Jared we wanted to give Jared the greatest comeback in Pittsburgh sports history. So that that's what it was. There we go. Catch was second. Catch was second. <laughs> uh, so um, we're, we're waiting for one more comeback though among this yeah. team, and that's not going to come until August. It looks like playoff run. O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> Is out unexpected four months following fracturing his ankle and then uh, surgery on it. Four months without O'Neill Cruz. Look, I, I, I will say, honestly, whenever it first happened, I thought to myself, this could potentially be season ending. So getting him back on the field is not only good for the team, it's really big for his development. It's really big for him maybe having a little more runway to have a more normal off season mm-hmm. than just you know rehabbing but still this is it's not quite the worst case scenario but it's pretty close to it for the parts right now yeah it it doesn't do it doesn't do my uh 47 home run uh prediction yeah. any right. favors does it yeah yeah if he hits 47 <laughs> home runs this year it hall of fame man oh man yeah it's i, I the, there's no way to replace o'neill cruz look I, everybody knows that what the skill set he brings to the table the speed the athleticism the power um and honestly even you know like he hasn't been bad in the field you know he, he hasn't been the best shortstop you know defensive shortstop but he hasn't been bad in the field and so uh it's going to take a a group effort to replace what he brings to the to the table for the pirates and it's it's honestly it's just heartbreaking to see because he's he's such a good i, I mean you never want to see anybody go through an injury like that but he's such a good young guy and he's the you know he he definitely brings a different energy to the clubhouse and he brings you know that levity that i think is very much needed um 
if you're going to make runs as a baseball team. And uh, it's just, it just sucks all around to see this dude go down like that, man. And, um, you know, the play around it, I guess if you want to get into that, we can get into it, but it's just the whole situation just sucks. Uh, honestly, the whole thing just, you know, it, it definitely puts a damper on, on this season. Um, I don't know that I'm as confident about my, my 70, uh, what was it? 77 wins that I think I had them having or 76 wins. Um, I mean, hey, they're 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 keeping their heads above water right now, and you know we'll get into why later on in the show. But yeah, it, it's just a it's a tough thing to see when uh, a fan favorite, a likable guy, a talented dude, uh, just goes down uh, in that fashion for sure. And I, I want to touch on something that you brought up here about the work he has done defensively. And I'm not going to say you know he was a great defensive shortstop, but you saw tangible improvement and I think Mendy Lopez was really his coaching his message was really resonating Mm -hmm. with him in the field because like one of the big things was his footwork and it's like look we know the footwork's not perfect right now even whenever we've been working on it but look at that back foot where is that back foot compared to the rest of his body whenever he throws and I've been paying attention to it and literally the only time I saw that back foot in the wrong position was whenever it was an error and it'll happen, but it's like one of those things that you cl- they clearly identified. Mm-hmm. He was conscious of, and for the most part, he had been implementing it well in games. And to lose that momentum is tough. Like losing, there is no good time to have a big injury like this. But this was a huge year for him and the first full year in the majors. And it's not going to be a first full year in the majors. Now like that soon as it could be as 2024 now. Yeah. Um, what do you think the, what, what's the long-term plan in your opinion to, to replace him? I mean, obviously we've seen what they've been doing over the last week, but um, do you think they continue this route or do you think they try to find a more permanent solution uh, at shortstop until August or until he comes back? I mean, they're always going to look, if if someone is available, but it doesn't sound like they are earnestly like banging the table like we need to get a Eric Gonzalez type mm-hmm. you know, to, to play shortstop. In a perfect world, Rodolfo Castro just takes this job and runs with it for four months, and nobody's going to think that Rodolfo Castro is the everyday shortstop of the future. He could be an everyday infielder of sure. the future, but like Castro is, I mean this very nice. I think he is a good defensive third baseman. I think he's mm-hmm. a good second baseman. He is adequate at second base. He's playing a little out of position here, and now he's playing out of position again with shortstop. So I think you're just going to see there was a ball Thursday night against the Cardinals that he really mm-hmm. should have had. A lot of shortstop yep. should have had. It didn't go down as an error. Uh, still tough. David Benner has a blown save because Rodolfo Castro made an error. There are going to be times like that. I don't think he's going to be – a really good defensive shortstop, but we're also seeing him take these terrific at bats at the moment. Like he's got a four forty OBP at the time of this recording before Friday's game. I, I something yeah. along those lines. We- he went deep. The swing it started off bad, but they have found something that. Working yeah. for him right now. So let me ask you this then, Alex. And and I, you know, I, I don't want to get into our next topic too quick, but um with Castro the way he's been playing, do you maybe like you said, keep him over at shortstop and, and for the until he proves he can't? And then 
do you mix? Do you continue to mix in Jiwan Bay there, or do you like Jiwan Bay in the outfield the way he's been playing the outfield and want to keep that glove there? Like, so how does that? I mean, obviously there's a trickle down effect. You 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 gave the trickle down effect for Castro, but for this team there's a trickle down effect because I think they wanted to have him as the second baseman and. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is the shortstop. Now they've got to shuffle things around. So, um, you know, do, does this mean that we see maybe, uh, you know, more of a Tucapita Marcano than we thought we would this season? Like, how does this work in your mind uh, for the team on the other side of the infield? Now, I'm, I'm waiting for Marcano at some point to get caught up to help alleviate this yeah. position right here. I mean, like, look, we're talking only about a couple games here, so I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but Mark Mathias's first impressions have not been good, you know, in, in the field so yeah. far at the plate or anything like that. And Marcano was one of the hottest hitters is off to one of the best starts in AAA. Mm-hmm. You got to think, okay, how do you build, how, how long do you keep this situation? There are a lot of lefties and reverse splits guys, you know, on, on the docket right now. That's why they brought up Mathias. But whenever that changes, do you go to Marcano? Do you just give him an opportunity? Because I think Bay, is a potentially really good, if not elite center fielder, if he got everyday reps there. Like his second catch yeah. that he had yesterday, he had trouble reading the line drive coming out. That is a very tough ball to read. I do not mean to sound like I'm belittling his catch at all, because what I really want to point out is the closing recovery speed that he had on that ball, which was insane. It's impressive. And it's impressive. There are so many raw tools that if you could just give him the reps that he could learn how to read those line drives, learn how to make those plays better, he can cover a ton of ground. The Pirates can't really go with Matthias every day at second base. Maybe they could justify Marcano a little more. Not that you know Marcano has, I think, a, a rock-solid roster spot, but he is a former prospect, still currently a prospect, I guess, who could be part of this future going forward. If Marcano hits and Castro hits and Bay hits, there are ways you could get them all into the lineup at the same time. And that's something this team needs. But Bay, I don't think they want to move him every day to the shortstop because they value him in center field. They that was, probably yeah. don't want Marcano at shortstop either. I mean, which kind of leads all roads back to, I mean, Hayes could probably play a little shortstop if necessary. But I, I keep looking at this. Unless Leover Perguero just absolutely dominates and Altoona gets up to Indy and continues to do so, or they feel confident enough in Nick Gonzalez that he could do it at shortstop, I don't see there being a lot of long-term internal options right now that doesn't take away from another position besides what? Castro. All right, so let me throw a uh, let me throw in a scenario out, out there. Um, let's fast forward to the All-Star game, mm-hmm. okay? Pirates are, are somehow have managed to be in the hunt for a wild card spot. All right, let's just take this eight and five start and, and let's just keep extending it down the road. All right. And they're 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 battling for a wild card spot. They've got a chance to, you know, to do something in the NL. Uh we're a, but we're still a month out at best from seeing O'Neill Cruz. Uh, do they then start to think about trade options? Or do you think that that's just completely off the table for this team because of what they'd have to give up? Um, because my other concern, Alex, is when O'Neill Cruz comes back in August, and again, this is the hypothetical situation of they're in, a, they're in the hunt. When he comes back in August, he's not going to come back 100%. 
So you're really not going to see a 100% back to normal O'Neill cruise until probably closer to September. Yeah, if even that. And, and I don't, yeah. we don't mean that as a knock against the parts. It's just no one comes back from the injured list 100%. Correct. It's, right. It's, so, it's exactly. So, yeah. then if you're the Pirates, you're, the, you're this front office, you're in a hunt for a playoff position, and you know this fan base is going to want to go for it. You know, everybody in this fan base is going to be rabid for, for playoff baseball or, or at least competitive baseball into the end of September. What do you do? I, I have it is my belief that if this team is competitive, come the all star break, come the trade deadline, whatever, they add. And not okay. you know, minor ads like we added a guy off waivers like anything, like 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 a legitimate trade. Okay. And not, you know, we're trading Tamar Johnson, we're trading, you know, Henry Davis or someone like that, but like someone in that back end of a top thirty, maybe even you know, get a good rental in there and, and shortstop could be a good defensive shortstop could be something that helps bridge the gap to O'Neill Cruz and could be a factor late if, in the season, late in games. If I'm being yeah, if I'm being real about it, I I honestly don't want to see O'Neill Cruz come back to the field this season. I would I mean, rather be yeah, but I'd rather for this season, even if, because it's let's be it's gonna be a month, man. I I don't want to see yeah. him jeopardize that ankle any more than it could be. I'd rather just see him DH and and just finish out the year and then just hit the reset button, start fresh next season. That's what I would personally like to see. But, uh, you know, I, I know where you're saying you, he needs the reps. Yeah. I get it. He needs the reps. Uh, if they have someone at shortstop and trends, maybe you put him in the outfield a little bit. I'd be fine with DHing him more than you would have planned, but he needs reps at shortstop to really test out that ankle because that's a big factor in all of this. The pirates believe the the injury is not going to you know force him off of shortstop or anything like that, uh, but you got to prove it. Yeah, you got to prove it. With uh, I get what you're saying. Game. Yeah, so. yeah. Want to take a quick break and we'll get into uh, some surprises for the season so far. Let's do it. All right. Just like that, ta-da, we're back. (laughs) Uh, uh, Pirates podcast to be named later. I'm Eddie Provenant. With me is Alex Stump. Alex, uh, I don't think anybody saw the Pirates going eight and five to start the season. Even when I, even when you and I were talking about our season, our preseason predictions, and I said they'd start off hot and, you know, April would be a great month for them. And then they'd kind of fizzle off. I didn't think they would start off eight and five. I didn't think they would, you know, uh, go, you know, sweep the Red Sox in Boston. Uh, I didn't think that they would it, do any of what they've done. I just, and then if you add in the whole O'Neill Cruz situation, I would have said no. It, it's over, done with. It's it's a it's a train wreck. Um, so they're eight and five. Uh, normally, when a team like this goes eight and five, there's got to be some surprises. And I, you know, I I look through the roster, and you know, you could say the bullpen as a whole has been a surprise, but there's really been two main surprises for me, and that's uh, Colin Holderman and uh, Jiwon Bay. Uh, and I'll start off with Colin Holderman. He leads the uh, Major League in saves at five. And um, dude, where holds. did this go? Holds. 
Yes. Uh, say, oh, what I say? Saves. Yeah. Holds. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, holds. Uh, leads the league in, in, I almost did it again. Dang it. <laughs> uh, in holds. <laughs> Is it a um, I, I haven't checked that. One. It was, I, I guess it was as of a couple of days ago. Um, I honestly, I haven't checked. The leaderboard. Yes. We'll give ourselves some women uh, there. But regardless, I don't think. I didn't expect this. I don't think that most of the fan base expected this. I don't think most of the people in baseball expected this, but you texted me something very intriguing. Um, You have said, I believe the text said he's been gassed up to me for a while now. Uh, Tell me a little bit about Colin Holderman and what you knew about him. Apparently that we didn't. I mean, the the whole off season, whenever there were times whenever like players be made available at PNC Park. You know, you you always try to like get someone on one time with them. Also, and, like I remember two separate times, like the player pointing out, like Colin Holderman is someone like, hey, you know, we we got Holderman, we got an eighth inning guy, we got hmm. someone who could really, you know, figure stuff out, you know, bridge the gap to Bednar in the ninth. I talked to Oscar Marine this off season, and whenever I I, I mostly focused on the rotation in our conversation. And, you know, just kind of like a wrapping up thing, it, it just kind of like dropped out of the blue. Like, by the way, Holderman, oh my goodness. <laughs> like he's talking to other people in the organization. Like I didn't even have to bring him up a lot of the times. Like people were, came into this year excited for Colin Holderman and Derek Shelton <laughs> won't officially say that he is the eighth inning guy because, you know, he likes having the option of, you know, playing the leverage sure. spots. There could yep. be a spot where Colin Holderman is most valuable to be used in the sixth inning. Or mm-hmm. David Bednar is the most valuable in the seventh, eighth, and you've got to use Holderman in the ninth, and that that's all fair. It's, but he's the de facto setup man on this team, and there is definite stuff here. And even whenever things get a little fishy, like they did Thursday night in uh, in St. Louis, he had a outing in Boston where you know there are a couple runners on in a close game. I look in that bullpen; there's no one throwing. It is his inning even if the go ahead or tie and run is up like it's it's Collins inning we're gonna let him figure this out and so far he has exceeded those expectations he's throwing 98 99 he's got the two different breaking balls including the sweeper he's getting weak contact that's I think he only has like three strikeouts as of this recording Friday afternoon like Mm -hmm. but he doesn't need him he's being able to miss the barrel and he has the swinging stuff in his back pocket if he needs to go to it. What's been exciting to me, Alex, is that you remember back to the to the playoff runs, uh, the three years that they made the playoffs, and the you know the years around those those three that you know where they were competitive. It was pretty much if you can if the if the starting rotation could get six innings, mm-hmm. the seventh, eighth, and ninth with that bullpen back then was pretty much a wrap. You know, it, it was it was pretty much a done deal, and. I'm I'm not quite to that confidence level yet with this bullpen because honestly this whole bullpen has been a surprise to me. Um and I think to pretty much everyone watching the team outside of uh David Bednar. Um but the way aside from one game, I think the the way that Dari Moreda has been pitching, I think the way that Colin Holderman's been pitching and the way that Bednar has been pitching and you know you can throw in a couple other guys there. Uh, Underwood has been has been solid. Um, all of a sudden now you've got a situation where if you're if your starting pitchers can give you six solid innings of work, 
it's really hard for your your opponents to come back because of what we're seeing on the back end of this bullpen. And that that is, I think, more than anything on this team right now is what has been exciting to me. Uh, one, you know, is a that's what I did was pitch. I'm not saying I was any good, but that's what I did was pitch, and that's the part of the game that I love uh, is the pitching side of it. Um, and two, I mean, it's just it's going back to that like style of baseball that that was successful here in Pittsburgh. One guy that you mentioned that I want to single out here a little bit is Underwood because he, the last couple of years, we've seen him a lot in these, you know, multi-inning roles. And yeah, that's in the back pocket, obviously. But whenever you have DeYoung and Crow, it, it, it really does look like he's being given more leverage opportunities. Like we saw him get the save in Boston mm-hmm. whenever Holderman and Bednar were both unavailable. We've seen him pitch the seventh inning a couple of times. And look, I know Underwood has traditionally gets off to pretty good starts in April, but there's something different. I feel like, you know, Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yep. And I think the big thing is we're seeing far fewer fastballs. He's got this cutter now that he could use as a fastball or breaking ball, but really it allows him to rely on the changeup, which I've always said was a plus pitch and the breaking stuff more. So he's kind of become this junk baller and, he, I mean, he's got the fastballs in the bas- back pocket, but Thursday, I, th- I think he threw two. And yeah. the rest was change up and break it and, and cutters. And it's like, this is a different reliever. And it's someone so radically different than what Holderman is going to give you, what Bednar is going to give you. And, and not to say it's a three-headed monster at the back end of games, but if you're going to face if you're gonna face Underwood first, you know you're just going to get junk. And then you're going to get Holderman, who could throw 99. It could also go horizontal on you. And then you face Bednar, who could throw upper 90s, 99. And then it could drop on you with the splitter. You're not going to get it's a lot to think about. Look at yeah. You've got three different guys with different looks who use their stuff differently. You can't really prep for that. There's something about that back three in the bullpen that I'm, I'm kind of looking at is like, okay, wait a minute. Something's up. I think with Underwood, I, I think if if I were going to put a term on it, or if I was going to try to describe what you're saying, that there's something different this year. Uh, I think he's pitching more than he's throwing. I think that he is with the with the junk. He is doing a really good job of, I think, outthinking batters. And he's there seems to be, you know, whether that's just him or that's, you know, him and his catcher or, or the, just the, you know, pitching coaches and like a, a combined effort. I, I don't know, but I, I see him being a lot more methodical and a lot more. Um, there's there's an approach there rather than just trying to throw the baseball. And I think that's probably what we've seen from him in the past. But I again, that's what I like about it. It it's exciting to see, and and you know I, I want to talk about the other surprise too, Jiwan Bay, and I don't know if he's been as much of a surprise, maybe just because I don't pay much attention to Indy, um, but Jiwan Bay, I mean he he steals bases, he can play the outfield, he can play the infield, like you said, he may be an elite, a, a very good to an elite level center fielder if he got everyday reps there. Uh, he can bunt to get on base. He can slap singles. He could slap doubles opposite field. You know, he's got a little bit of pop in his bat. Like, what does this dude not do? <laughs> Through these first 13 games, he's done a little of everything. <laughs> it's it's I mean, beautiful I mean, to see, man. I, I love I mean, it. This is, this is the throwback small ball player that 
you know, people have been wanting to see yes. someone who is fit in really well. I think he is the best option for center field defensively. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to, you know, maybe like get him reps at, in the middle infield also whenever guys need reps there. And, you know, Kutch can't play every day in the outfield. So Sawinski or someone can still be like a, like a semi-everyday player. There's a way to to fudge these numbers that he probably could be every day in this in center field. I don't know if they're going to do it un, until they have a better clarity of what's going on in that outfield because Kanan Smith and Ojigba, I know he struck out a, a decent amount, you know, in the regular season, but he had that great spring training and he's driven a couple balls here. It's, it's yes. You know, yeah. he's just a, I want to see more of rookie him. Yeah. Adjusting to major league pitching. Like he needs at bats. Yep. In Swinsky. I, I know people are frustrated here, but we've seen a couple good swings uh, of late. Boy, that when ball he, he that that ball he hit the other night, man. Yeah. That's that's the Sawinski that we know that if you get that more consistent consistently, man, it, his swing is so pretty. Yeah. When it's on, oh, it knows, is so he pretty. Backspin it. He knows how to backspin it better than anyone. So many of those fly balls get pulled. So many of them. It's just very efficient. He might mm-hmm. be the all-time one of the best parts ever of knowing where to put a 360-foot fly ball, like <laughs> for, for a left-handed hitter. Yeah, like that's that's not a knock. That's a skill right there. Yeah. So there's yeah. ways to figure it all out. It's there's ways I feel like that you can get Bay pretty regular reps in center field. They have done it so far. Do they want to continue to do that? Because no one else is going to provide this level of defense in center field. Not Reynolds, no. who I, I, I think could still be a decent to good defensive center fielder if, if they so chose. I did a mound vision on that this offseason. Uh, Sawinski, I think, is defensively fine-ish out there, but Bay is the one that could be really good. And again, I, I, I don't say the elite word. I feel like that often, but this is a potentially elite tool out here. If it sounds like we are getting ahead of ourselves with uh, are the Pirates going to be in the playoff run come the All-Star break or could G1 Bay be elite or could the listen the the team that that Alex has covered for what five this is your fifth season technically like I did the back end of 2019 so So, listen it's it's been uh, it's been a while since there's been excitement around this ball club and um I think that there's a, a a right to be excited about this ball club right now. Uh, despite that, that O'Neill Cruz injury was the perfect excuse to just for that team, that ball club, the everyone involved to just say, all right, well, there's the season gone right there. And they have fought. They are competing. They are, they are playing good baseball. And I, and I think that there's something to be said for that. You know, there's been surprises all over. You know, we just knocked on on two of them. We we talked about two of them, but there's been surprises up and down this roster so far. Uh, who expected uh, Andrew McCutcheon to be batting the way he's batting? You know what? He's at 350 right now, I think, as of at the end of last night's game. Uh, you know, with hit a home a run with a ton of walks. <laughs> like no one expected that, right? Like no nobody. There are so many things about this team right now. Uh, I'll tell you what, if Johan Oviedo pitches the way he pitched his last outing, that's a surprise right there. You know, maybe not a, a super surprise, but boy, he looked good, man. He, he looked borderline dominant. 
there's a lot of things to be excited about about this baseball team. And I think that sometimes we just, even though it's early, we need to throw the caveats away and just say, hey, be excited about a baseball team for once. Be excited about baseball because this city hasn't had a reason to in so long. Yeah, it's definitely the most interesting team in a while. And Mm -hmm. I, I brought up, you know, just casually, like, well, it was the last time the Pirates' vibes were this high. Well, simultaneously, the Penguins' vibes were so low. <laughs> Listen, like, don't, I'm not literally... talking, Hawk. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I will refuse. No. You, bad. Bad news for you because that's going to be the third segment whenever we come back here. Oh, I got words for you, and I'm not allowed to say them on air. Welcome back. So, like I was telling Eddie in his hour of mourning over the Penguins, Pirates vibes are sky high at the moment. Penguins vibes are so low at the moment. And I'm, I'm thinking, when was the last time it was like this? Because whenever the Pirates were really good in the early 90s, uh, the Penguins are winning cups. Yeah. Whenever the Pirates were playoff teams with 13 and 15, Penguins still had three Hall of Famers and were making the playoffs. And we're not that close away from... You know, being in a Stanley Cup. It was the Mike Johnston years, so it was the low point of the playoff. Uh, the playoff. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. Right. Yeah, and then fifteen, sixteen Johnson were the cups. Only coached one in, I thought Johnson only coached like one year. It was like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, yeah I, I try to block that. Yeah, I try to block that out from my memory. To be completely honest with you. Okay. Point being is, okay, we'll say 2015 or 2014, whatever. There's like one year there. And before that, are we seriously talking about like the 70s, the last time the Pirates had these good of vibes compared to the Penguins? Yeah. Maybe the, what did the Pirates do in the 80s? Did they have any good ball teams uh, in the 80s? They, they, they had a cocaine scandal. They didn't do much. Okay. So yeah, it'd have to be the 70s then. That's that's wild to think about. And yeah, Listen, we're talking about two weeks. We're talking about two hockey, weeks, but I, I can't. Think hockey's of always been my my sport. I mean, I, I was a kid that, you know, my dad was a big hockey fan. And then Lemieux was my favorite athlete. So mm-hmm. hockey's always been my favorite sport, but I played baseball my entire life. So baseball has that like special place in my heart. And um, I'm I'm upset that the Penguins are out. Trust me, like I am really frustrated, but this has been such a pleasant surprise to be excited about baseball again and to have a baseball team that I could root for and know that like, hey, they're good. Like they they actually are playing good ball. I, like they're eight and five right now. They're they're turning some heads. It's I don't know, man. There's there's something different about springtime in, in Pittsburgh when the Pirates are competitive and they're actually playing good baseball. There's just a different like you said, it's a different vibe. It is, and this club definitely has a different one compared to last year and the last couple years. I, I just did a quick freeze frame on that, but that ended up being a lot of fun. Check that out on the site if you haven't. And check out everything we've got on DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, content-wise. Check out more of the podcast if you like this one. We're going to be doing it every week, and Eddie hopefully will not need to go on the injured list again anytime soon. <laughs> real quick, does uh, o- I got a real, like, just a real quick one, and it does Oviedo uh, – continue what he does he pick up where he left off i'm not making a prediction about a game that 
everyone else knows the results of at the moment besides me whenever this goes live. That's fair. I think Johan Oviedo will, and then puts in like parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been fun, Alex. It has been fun. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.